the game was different, right? The the, the rules was different. The ball oh, the was Euro, different. The, like, Euro, the Euro style is different in America. The Euro style was a lot different <laughs> in America. <laughs> That's the Especially. first time y'all seen that Euro step too, huh? Absolutely. Hello, everybody. My name is Jordan Blount. Uh, I am from Ireland, and I went to the University of Illinois at Chicago. Um, and I graduated in 2020, so I've just graduated this past uh, summer. Beautiful, beautiful. Glad to have you with us today, Jordan. Um, Glad to be here. Thank you very much. Um, you've had a, I'd say, an eventful um, college <laughs> career. Um, yeah. I'm really interested um, and I'm really happy that you can share um, with us today. All right. So um, how and why did you choose the um, UIC? Um, how did I choose UIC? I, uh, so I went to prep school uh, after playing in Spain for two years, um, where I think that's where you and I kind of first met our connection. Um, and after playing in Spain and playing in the European Championships that summer, I got a couple of offers and didn't really know what to do or where to go. And wasn't very much advised in the right way in terms of how to, like the right questions to ask these schools, to ask these coaches and everything like that. And I hadn't been in the environment of the American recruiting system. And that was something that I wanted to experience. So I went to prep school. I went to uh, Spire in uh, Ohio. Everyone kind of knows now because of Lamelo. But uh, I went there and within the first couple of days, got a bunch of offers. And I was like, okay, like I was left in limbo before in terms of like trying to decide where to go. And, and, and I made a vow to myself that I wouldn't allow that happen again. So like, I took my offers early and I took them quick. Yeah, yeah. so I took my visits very early and very uh, rapidly. <laughs> um, and UIC was like my second last visit. And when I got there, like as soon as I got picked up from the airport, it felt common. Like I felt commonalities amongst the environment, amongst the people, amongst the talk, amongst the just everything just kind of felt like, oh, like, I, could, I could do this. I've been in these situations before. Um, and I got to campus and, and through the conversations with Coach McClain, uh, he's somebody I wanted to play for from the get-go just because of how he spoke. Like, you know me and anyone who, who knows me knows that, like, when I play, no matter what, I'm going to give it my all, my energy, my enthusiasm. It's going to be at an all-time high all the time. And every single conversation, interaction, encounter that I had with Coach McLean was right on par with how I felt I was. So, like, me and him had a lot in common in terms of our energy. And that was why I wanted to play for him. That was why I chose UIC, because they felt like a school that not just wanted me, but, like, kind of needed me a little bit, too, and kind of, like, really went a little bit of an extra mile about wanting to get me and everything like that. So it was... Yeah, it just felt like the right fit trying to, like, when I was trying to maneuver the schools and the coaches, trying to figure out why, how, and who, and all this kind of stuff. Like, Coach McLean fit, the school fit, the city fit. It was just, it was a no-brainer after I took my visit. Okay. Wow. I guess when you know, you know, right? Yeah, and, and that's what it is. Like, I mean, it's such a cliche thing to say, but it just felt right. Like, it just felt perfect. Like, as soon as I got there, I was like, oh, yeah. I'm coming. I committed on my visit, more or less. Oh, really? Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, which is also, like, 
for like I, I ended up taking I ended up taking a visit right after that. But like I I would tell coach like look coach this is where I want to come this is where I want to go I've committed to this other visit I have to take it I have to go and he was a little bit nervous about that but I was like look this is and I, I took that visit as the second the visit after UIC I took that visit to just make sure that I was like is this where I want to go like or am I just is this just smoke and mirrors and am I just feeling but I went there and I was like yeah no I don't see myself here and compared it to all the other schools and I was like nah I, I want to go I want to go to UIC. How, how many schools did you visit? I visited six, I think. I had a bunch of offers. I, I actually can't even remember the amount of the, how many offers I had. I had quite a bunch, um, but I narrowed it down to a couple of visits, and um, I think I took six visits. They, they wind and dined you, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, anybody who has the opportunity to go on official visits, use them all. <laughs> they <laughs> There, like the recruiting process was one of the most fun times of my basketball career. Um, and, and again, like, yeah, it's fun, but like, you know, it's part of the experience. They take you out, they show you the city, they take you to these nice restaurants, they show you the best parts of school, the best parts of the city. And it's fun. Like, yeah, you're, you're there to see the college and see if you want to go there. But at the end of the day, it's, we're still young, you know what I mean? And that stuff is fun. Like that's stuff that I think needs to be done. You know what I mean? A lot of kids, when they get their high offer, commit, I'm going, without even visiting. You know what I mean? Like, like visit the schools. I visited, one of the schools I visited was, uh, what was the name of it? Um, man, it's terrible. In North Carolina, High Point University, HBU. Okay. I, it, it was probably the most fun, like, I will never forget that experience just because of how the visit was. Like, I, like, I didn't feel like the school was for me, but everything's an experience and that's an experience that I'll never forget. So like I always, whenever I'm talking to people, I'm like, yeah, man, take your visits, take them all. There's nothing like you're not doing anything wrong by taking your visits. So go and have the experience and just have stuff to compare to. It, it's really, it's uh, it's all parent parcel. I think, I think it needs to be done. I agree. I've been, I've been on a few, um, I've accompanied some of the players. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's been awesome. Kind of like, yeah. I had the opportunity kind of thing. Um, you know, if, if there is any coaches or programs out there that want to snap me up, then, you know, I'm happy to yeah. <laughs> take up my options. For sure. um, what type of scholarship did you get? And did your grades, did your academics play a factor? Uh, so I had a full scholarship, everything covered. Um, and I received aid from the school in terms of like stipends per semesters and everything like that. So I was fully taken care of in terms of my housing, my athletics, my medicine, medical, my schooling, all that kind of stuff. Um, my grades did play a big part in it. There was a bunch of uh, different things that went into my acceptance into college. So I had, you know, my journey, like I, I left Ireland very young and mm -hmm. I'd been in three or four different schooling systems before I got to America. And then when I got to America, I went to prep school, took it like that's basically like a year out. But like I went to England first and I started at B-Tech. You and I know what that is. Not a lot of other people would. So like in England, a B-Tech is a high school equivalent but because of how England deems and names their schools it was a college so the NCAA seen that as a college course 
So technically I had started my eligibility when I was 15 because mm -hmm. of the schooling system that I went into. And then that goes back to being not ill-advised, but just not advised. You know what I mean? Like not knowing the unbeknown of, of situations and getting started on things like that without, you know, having the right information. At the end of the day, it all worked out. Um, but there was that. So, so that put a, a, a hurdle in my acceptance into college. And then there was a lot of thoughts and queries of, as to whether or not I had accepted money because of the clubs that I was a part of and the teams that I played with. So the NCAA initially didn't grant me eligibility. They said no. So then what my school did, and one assistant coach that I will always give credit to, who is a friend now, and he's not just assistant coach. His name is Brandon Mullins. You might know him. He's assistant coach at SIU now. Um, he fought tooth and nail for me to get accepted. And we looked at so many different ways as to how I could get in or like, cause it wasn't anything I did maliciously to hurt my eligibility. It was just something that I just didn't know. So we had filed a hardship waiver uh, and that's not anything that I'm, I'm ashamed of or anything like that. So like we filed a waiver to the NCAA saying, well, this is how I grew up. This is half the reason why I left the country. I didn't have the right information. This is my background. This is where I come from. Here, this is me. This is everything I am in every shape or form in the rawest possible image. And they accepted it um, with the stipulant of me not being able to play in my freshman year. So I wasn't allowed to play. I had to show that I wanted to be there for schooling reasons only. Uh, so my first year is called a year in residence. So I was still able to practice with the team. I was a full member of the team. I did everything the team did. I just didn't play in the games. And I had to really, really do well in my classes. So my first year, I, I think I got like a 3.5 or a 3.7 GPA, which was really, really good. So now I'm able to play my sophomore, junior, senior year. And the NCAA had granted that if I graduated on time uh, with just graduating, like as long as I do what I'm supposed to do, then they would give me my year back which I chose not to take, but it was something that I had available to me. But yeah, so that's kind of how all that went. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I've never heard of the NCAA giving a year back. That's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because of the waiver that was filed, a hardship waiver, yeah. like, like, like your beginnings and, and, and like, again, like I come from very humble beginnings and, and very humble areas and stuff like that. So it was something that they had taken on board and, and I will always like there's a lot of backlash to the NCAA, but like with my case, they really gave me every chance possible to give me the best opportunity that I could. And they did. So like, I'll always, you know, shouts out to them for allowing me to play in college. Um, uh, and, and then even wanting to give me my year back was a bonus. You know what I mean? So, it's called it's like it's called a gray shirt. I'm pretty sure that's what they what they deemed it as. You know those red shirts and all that kind of stuff. So I think my case was a gray shirt, um, and yeah, they granted the year back, but I just chose not to use it. Wow, that's 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 dope, man. That's, like, and this is you know part of the reason why um, I love the concept of of this of this of this platform because like now I'm being educated by you guys. You know that's yeah like, yeah. And that, that's, that's, I've had this conversation and told this story to a bunch of people, like a bunch of basketball people who would be deemed 
intelligent in the business and they were like well we have never heard of that i was like i had never heard of it like i it was all new to me but i only realized how uncommon it was when i tried to explain it to other people but eventually this will happen to somebody else you know what i mean so like it's about it's about getting the information out there knowing what to do who to contact all that kind of stuff so like it's yeah i think it's a great platform i think this is really good um yeah no, we're gonna have a um somebody from uh the ncaa compliance come in um that's super cool yeah yeah and then just talk. i've had a lot of dealings with them <laughs> you know and, and and you know some people might hear it and go oh man it's boring but you know if you're not gonna read through the the yeah exactly. of, of literature then what better than to talk to somebody yeah. to find out and that's the thing like there's a lot of stigma behind ncaa compliance officers officers trying like they have a bad reputation because they have to enforce the rules but they will try everything with your best interest first yeah. and then when nothing else works that's when, when when the punishment or not even punishment but like the rules have to be enforced you know so like they gave me every opportunity possible yeah it's crazy like a great show i gotta make sure i put that on the list bro. yeah <laughs> that's dope all right, so um, can you tell us what conference that you played in and what was the league play like? Was it guard heavy, yeah. physical, post? Yeah, so we played in the Horizon League um, and it was very much a fast, athletic, wings, like versatile wing kind of conference. Um, it was very physical. It was very gritty. It was very, like... It was very top heavy in terms of how the season always ended. It was always one, two, or three. You knew who those one, two, three teams were going to be. Okay. But at any given moment, anyone beat anybody. Like we lost to the last seed twice, but we were the three seed, but we beat the top two seeds three out of four times. You know what I mean? It was one of those kind of conferences where, like, if you didn't show up, like, you, you were going to lose. Um, and it always came down to like who just fought harder on that night. And I, I know again that's cliche, but like that's how it was. Like if, if we didn't fight tooth and nail every possession, like we weren't going to win. And that's just, but that that was the beauty of it. That was why I loved it because it was never it was never a walk in the park, and it was never just a complete beatdown. It was always competitive in in every form of fashion. Yeah, that's dope. You know, you're you're classed as a student athlete when you come over. Um, what helped you to graduate and stay on top of your game? Um, and can you share any like study hacks to kind of that made the process? Yeah, the, the, the thing the, what made everything easier, not even easier, but just smoother for me was my relationships with my professors. Like, like I always tried to create a relationship on the first day or first week with my professor so that there was some sort of common ground of understanding that like if something came up during the semester you know it's not a thing of me just trying my hand at not trying to do something or being late or i formed and it was something i prided myself on was forming relationships with all the people in charge or all the people i had to do work for so that they knew who i was as a person knew my personality and knew that if something ever couldn't get done there was a reason for it it's not me just not doing it um so I think forming relationships uh, with your professors is huge. And then just using all the tools that you have. Like, it's, again, I can't speak for D2, D3, because I, I don't know those, those situations. But like for D1, like there is a lot of resources. 
especially like I think a lot of times student athletes in particular basketball players get caught up in only athletics you know what I mean whereas if you use the resources of the actual university that the non-student athletes use just the regular students you will have even more help you know what I mean so you've got double the help because you have the same resources all the students do but then you've got the extra ones that the athletic department provides and especially for basketball basketball get even more of an emphasis and more of a concentration of help so use your resources and form relationships uh, that's the, the relationship keeps coming up you know relationship with professors yeah relationships are huge yeah that comes up quite a bit so I like that um, so talking about coming over to, to America you know you was especially I know in Spain and stuff like you was pretty dominant as a player um, you know starting guards um, yeah you know when you come over to the States there's that big adjustment and you kind of go from mm -hmm. a you know pretty big fish in a small pond to now you're a sardine in the ocean kind of thing yeah um, yeah yeah can you talk about how you dealt with that adjustment going from kind of like yeah guys um yeah for me it was i again i i there's a couple of things i pride myself on and one of those other things is is after my first couple of years i i then surrounded myself with people who were always going to advise me and talk to me right so like i knew going to america i wasn't going to be scoring 27 30 points a game how i was in europe so like one person who i hold very close to me in sentiment and advisory kind of conditions would be uh jerry noonan he's a longtime player um and me and him had a bunch of conversations and he was like man like you're not going to be able to score the way you did. Not that you're not going to be able to, but that's not what's going to be needed from you. So, like, we came to the consensus of, like, no matter what, I got to have something that nobody else on the floor does, and I have to do it all the time. So I had always played hard. So now I knew how to manipulate that into making that my game. You know what I mean? So, like, in, in, in Europe, my game was scoring. Like, yeah, he plays hard and he'll make that hustle play, but he wants to score. Mm. Well, now every single action that he does is about aggressiveness and intensity and, and wanting it more than the person beside you. So for me, it was like, every time I step on the floor, I'm going to play harder than everybody. I can't control if the ball goes in. I can't control if the ball bumps off my foot every now and then, but I can't control my attitude and, and how I approach every single play. You know what I mean? Like, and that was just, that was it. You know what I mean? Like you talk to any of my coaches, the first things we'll say, well, the first thing they'll say is, well, we will never question his effort. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that was something that I, I really like, that was, I was like, what do, what are all these guys not doing? Okay, well, nobody's dove on the floor yet. Nobody's kind of screaming every single minute of, you know what I mean? So like, for me, it's like, just bring your energy. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> I come from a crazy family like we're all crazy personalities none of us are shy so I was like just be yourself but just be an exuberant version of yourself so I was like you know it's and that fitted me perfectly you know what I mean I was the energy guy I was the glue guy you know and I just found something I found a niche a little market within the game so to speak that I knew I could I could uh, play upon to continue to be on the floor I like it I like it and that's kind of and then I guess 
the the more your coach has trusted in you, the more you felt mm -hmm. comfortable, is the more yeah. you know, minutes, the more leeway you exactly. have. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And even like within that, like my within the years of there, so like my sophomore year to my senior year, like my role changed immensely too. So like my sophomore year, I was very much playing a lot on the perimeter, uh, catching rebounds, going down, initiating plays. Like there was, I remember there was a period of time where there was two or three games where our point guards were injured, and I ran the point for like two games, and, and then my junior year, I go very much into the post. So like I felt like. My coaches, I could play in the post because of my size. Like I'm six eight, um, so I can go inside and post up guys my size and smaller and even bigger. So like my coaches seen that and was like, well, we didn't really have a dominant big guy or like a dominant four guy, just that presence. And, and so then they shifted me to more of a inside kind of guy, popping out, running into ball screens, making reads through there, and then. And then I began to score a lot more and I was looked to to score, you know what I mean? So like going back to what I kind of did in Europe and having that leeway, like I remember there was a two, three week period and I say two, three week period, but in America, you play six, seven games in two or three weeks. You know what I mean? So like there was a stint there, I was averaging like 24 points a game. But then conference came that year and then my role had to shift back again to become a, a blue guy. It's just having the mental capacity and the willingness to be whatever's needed from you on that day. Like, like, like if you're a scorer, like you scored 30 today, maybe that's what was needed of you. But like on Thursday, you might not be needed to score. You know what I mean? Because that might not be the niche for that game. So it's it's having the open mind and the willingness to be different roles on different days, weeks, months, years. So it's all about just the willingness. Yeah, and you know, matchups and all the rest of it. So yeah. Yeah, think, exactly. There's so much that goes into it. I think I think that's a really good point. I think that's a really good point. With the knowledge you have now, if you were to redo college, um, mm. what would what would they be? If I could, oh, I would shoot two thousand shots a day. <laughs> <laughs> and, like for real, I think I was if yeah. That would be the only thing for me is just get my shot perfect, get my shot exactly right. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, like I, I really, and again, it's hard to when you're in it, when you're in it, when you're in the whole process of being a college basketball player. But like now that I'm out of it and I'm looking back at it, like I would just try to do anything to slow time down. <laughs> Like everyone says it and everyone said, and like people told me, like people like yourself would have told me like it goes by like this. Yeah. But when you're in it, you don't know that. So you're just trying to get to the next day, the next season, the next game. You're always trying to get to the next, get the next to the next. So like if knowing what I know now, and I could go back and, and just give myself a two minute like talk, I would say shoot the ball and just be present in every single moment. You know, because like I, I'm still very young, like I'm only 23, but like w when I was 17, 18, I had 30 year olds telling me like, like don't wish the days away, like they're gonna go by like this. And like I said, when you're in it, you don't feel it. But now that I'm out of it, I'm like, wow, like that really went like that. Like I remember my freshman year, I remember my first week on campus, like it was yesterday, but that was four years ago now. You know what I mean? So like. It's, yeah, I think just being present and appreciating like every single moment for what it is and, and giving yourself to every moment, just being open, open-minded and, and willing 
uh, that's the only advice I would give myself going back. I love that, man. Sometimes we, we are so fixed on the end goal, the end result. Yeah. We get to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you get to enjoy I think it was, I'm pretty sure, it was, yeah, it was Kobe that said, like, the dream wasn't the championships. The dream was everything that led to the championships. That's what the dream was, you know? So it's the journey and everything like that. But when we're young and and, and <laughs> at a D1 school, coming from places like, like we come from, you just get so caught up in, you know? Definitely. Um, what's, what was the best part of playing uh, college ball? The best part of playing college basketball? Um, Two things. Uh, one thing was the camaraderie uh, of my teammates. Like, like people in basketball, words get thrown around all the time. But like, I really feel like I made a connection to a lot of my teammates, where I would genuinely call them like, "Oh, they're my they're my bros. Like, they're my brothers for real. Like, I need something or I need to talk. Those are guys I'm gonna call." So I think again, going back to the theme of relationships, the relationships that I built are. are everlasting now, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing that could happen between me and some of my old teammates that would just extinguish our relationship. You know what I mean? So like the biggest thing, yeah, camaraderie, the camaraderie and, and like the, the brotherhood that was formed. And the second thing is, is more of a personal selfish thing and was having my dad see me play live basketball on ESPN. You know, my dad wanted to go to America, had all the dreams, the aspirations, and just the way life goes didn't come to fruition. So for my dad, for me, for me to be able to fly my dad to America, have him interviewed by ESPN on ESPN, like nine o'clock TV, which is like really, really high up. We were on the main channel and for me to play on the big screen for him, with him there, like in, in presence, that was huge for me. And that was the number two moment of college basketball for me. Hey, that's, yeah, that, that's awesome. Hey, did you cry? Like being for real, did you cry? Yeah, I definitely did. I shed a tear. Like I, my, my dad had been everywhere and my dad's been through the mills in terms of health and everything like that. So like, there's always like, I had a pretty big personality and a pretty big like persona character in college and everyone knew me. and. People would always be shouting. There was fat heads in the crowds and everything like that. And I got used to it. But then one game I looked over and, and my dad was standing up clapping. And that was something I'd, I'd never, a feeling like an emotional and physical feeling that I'd never experienced before. So yeah, it was definitely a tear shed moment. Well, that's, yeah. I don't know what I would have done. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I actually, no, that's a lie. I would have dropped like 60, you know what I mean? Just <laughs> Yeah, um, no, it's all good. Um, speaking of, you know, looking over and being in the fans, um, what, what was it like playing, um, playing in front of, you know, the, the crowds here in America? You know, we yeah. don't as much in in Europe. So compared to, yeah. to ball, you know, how did you man? Play? I thrived on it. Like I, if you have a big personality or like you think you're a big player or think you're a big time guy, like. You get found out pretty quick in these some of these games. You know what I mean? So like, I remember like we went to like we played at Kentucky, uh, we played at Memphis, like we played at some big time school. We played down in um, what's the name Grand Canyon. I didn't play in that game, but like the crowds were insane. 
But for me, the conference crowds were even worse because them crowds got personal. Like yeah. they would have cheat sheets of, of who you are, what you like, what you don't like, what your girlfriend's name is, everything. But I loved it. Like there was nothing more that I loved than somebody saying something personal about me because that's just who I am. Like next time I score a basket, I'm looking straight at you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that's just how I am. So like I thrived on it. I loved it. It was something that I always picked up on. It's something that kind of like fueled me a little bit. And, and my teammates knew it and my coach knew it. And it was just something that they accepted. So once they accepted it, I was like, perfect. I'm rolling with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but the crowds are, are it, it means like to every player that goes, every person in the crowd that goes to one of these games, it feels like it means something for them to be there. You know what I mean? So it, it's super cool to play in arenas that feel like that. Um, I had a conversation yesterday and um, one of the guys said they prefer, they prefer, they like playing at home, but they prefer playing away. Yeah. Did, did you get the same sense? Yeah, I felt, I felt very much like that too. Like I love playing at home and I loved our court, loved our, our arena and everything like that. But when we went away, it was like, everyone in here is against us. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> perfect. You know what I mean? Like, I love it. Like, it's great. There's a little bit more of an oomph about that. Um, and yeah, I get, like I, Loved it. Loved playing away. Loved going into other people's. Because in college, that's what you pride yourself on. You pride yourself on your home floor. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. people say, nah, you, you don't beat us at home. And obviously, you lose games and everything. But when you go into someone else's house and you beat them in front of their fans and they're the one, you know, that, that, that's a great feeling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. You know, you was in Illinois. Um, can you let us know what the weather was like in Illinois and yeah. are there extremes? Yeah, so I was actually like, our campus was downtown Chicago. I lived downtown Chicago and it was like summertime in Chicago. There is no comparison. Best city in the world. Wintertime in Chicago, there is no comparison. Worst city in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Like it is absolutely dreadful. <laughs> like it, it's it's like it's harming to your health to go out in the cold <laughs> that it is. Like like I'm I'm serious, man. Like there was one year, maybe my junior year, there was a polar vortex. So for two weeks, it was colder in Chicago than it was in the Antarctic. Jeez. It was it was negative fifty. <laughs> And they expect me to go to class. <laughs> but you, if you were outside in ten, for ten minutes, you would get frostbite. Like you were, you were, you were told not to go outside for more than ten minutes. That is crazy. Yeah. So it's literally like like summertime in Chicago. It gets to like forty-five degrees Celsius, and then the winter it's like negative that. So it's literally both ends of the spectrum. So extreme is is, is an understatement. <laughs> wow. Man, all right. So if you go to Chicago, make sure you get some. Uh, yeah, man. Wait some... till after. Uh, man, like, one. It snowed in April one year. I, I was like, come on. So yeah, if you're going to Chicago, go after April, but leave before. Yeah, it doesn't start really snowing until like January. Man, so you say fin finish the semester quick. Yeah, <laughs> super quick. <laughs> get everything done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, what's the time difference between um, Chicago and Ireland, and how did you deal with? Uh, well, I normally ask about jet lag, but everyone says they didn't have jet lag, so I'm going to change it in terms of um, 
how did you deal with the time difference communicating back home with family? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was always pretty fine for me. It was never something I kind of struggled with. Uh, it was a six hour time difference. Um, so whenever I woke up, my family would already be awake and, and I didn't like, besides my family and a couple of close friends, I'm not really pressed to really respond to people or not respond. That sounded bad, but for me to like, just be talking to people about yeah, nothing, yeah, I mean, like, like my, if I'm talking to my family, that's, that's the most important thing. So like whenever I woke up, I would give my, my dad a text or something like that. Or, and then we would always get finished practice around like five, six o'clock. And that's kind of like 11, 12. That's around the time my dad goes to bed. So as soon as I get done with practice, I'm calling my dad. Or before practice, I'm calling my dad saying, hey, this is going to be a long one. I won't talk to you till tomorrow. Or we can go a couple of days, two or three days without talking. But like, pretty sure me and my dad spoke every single day that I was away. Um, so yeah, it was it was fine, really. Just, you know, just knowing, just figuring it out. Just like, okay, call before practice, call after practice. It was never something that I kind of struggled with. Okay. And my, my family was very understanding of it too. Oh well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, you're away chasing your dreams and aspirations. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, any musty um, spots, must, must go to destinations in Chicago? Oh man, there's a bunch. Um, Busy Burger on Taylor Street, unbelievable. <laughs> um, uh, in terms of like touristy kind of things, there's, uh, I mean, downtown is just a whole tourist attraction. You know, there's the Bean. But for me, the place that I used to always go was, there's this place called London House. The English would love it. It's called London House and it's this big, massive building and you go all the way up to the top and there's a rooftop and you can look out and just see the whole uh, uh, downtown city of Chicago, which is super, super, super dope. And then one other spot that I'd highly recommend is going to the planetarium. So when you go over to the planetarium, you're looking back at the entire skyline. Um, and you see every building and you see the lake and you see the beach and you see the walkway and you see Chicago for like exactly what it is. So Busy Burger on Taylor Street, London mm -hmm. House downtown and the planetarium. Awesome. That is perfect. That's probably like one of the best answers we've had for that question. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that's good. Uh, best place to get new kicks. Oof. Uh man, this State Street in Chicago, they've got everything. Um, for me, a lot of the kicks that I got would have just been like, I'm not a big Jordan guy. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of Jordan and stuff like that. I like Vans and, and, and slick little Adidas shoes like Pharrell Williams and stuff like that. So. For me, I could get my shoes anywhere. And then basketball shoes, we got so much from the school, so I didn't really have to. But State Street, downtown Chicago, has got everything from every type of anything. <laughs> what was your favorite uh, American holiday? Oof, Thanksgiving. Boy, they eat. <laughs> they eat. They just cook so much food. Um, so yeah, I loved it. But again, another really good one was St. Patrick's Day, uh, especially being <laughs> Irish. <laughs> and my junior year, I actually got to go on the boat that died the River Green. So oh, wow. that was an absolutely awesome experience. So that kind of made it my 
Again, that, I shouldn't say that, though, because St. Patrick's Day is not an American holiday, but it's a holiday that the Americans do really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's what we're looking for. And obviously, you know, um, St. Patrick's Day is linked to drinking, but I know you wouldn't have been drinking seeing as you was under age. No, right? I never, never that. <laughs> never, never that. <laughs> Especially in America, the age is higher, so we're very strict. 21, you know what I mean? 21, so you had, you know, your last two years, you could have drank, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Man. <laughs> um, I probably know the answer to this, but did you get homesick and how did you deal with it? Um, yeah, I did. Um, how did I deal with it? I surrounded myself with as much Irish things as possible. Like every evening, I ended all my evenings with a cup of Irish tea and just that like feeling of hot tea that I know my family is also drinking. Like that's like something that was just kind of like warming. Um, how did I deal with it? Call my father, like talk to my dad forever, every day about anything. So I just call him and talk to him and just the way we talk and, and, and hearing the Irish accent is just always very, comforting and yeah so it was just it's just about keeping i think like family is very underrated um in terms of like what they can do for you without knowing what they're doing for you um so yeah it was just constant conversations with my dad little brother his sister that was always huge for me and, and it was every single day and i and that's no joke every day of my college career I had a different lengthy conversation with a different member of my family. So that was always really, really nice. Was that planned or was it just? No, it's just how it's just how it happened. Like, especially like my junior and senior year where I kind of got a little bit older and, and more mature as to knowing what works for me and what keeps me grounded and what I need for me. It's just kind of like what happened. Like I would call my dad and talk to my dad for ages. and then, the next day, just randomly call my brother and then we'll talk for ages and then my sister and my other brother and just kind of became a cycle like that. And, and it was super, super refreshing and really, really nice. Because I left very, very young. So like my little sister is 17 now, but I left when she was nine. So like, she's so young there that we can't really, like a lot of the conversations are still very, you know what I mean? They can't really be intrinsic or intricate thought-provoking conversations so like you can't really form a strong adult-like relationship so like that kind of had to happen through the phone so um it was just yeah it was it was really really nice for me no that's that's cool especially like not as, as you said not purposely rotating it but you know having it yeah game. just just how it happens yeah that's pretty cool um, all right, so we've got a lot, last couple of questions coming up and, and these are always the hard ones. Um, so talking about distractions, um, mm. you know, going through college, um, there's, there's, you know, America's the land of opportunity kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and you're away from home, you're away from your, your friends domestically um, mm -hmm. and you get a chance to kind of find out who you are, explore who you are. So talking about drugs, talking about alcohol, talking about um, yeah. you know, the opposite sex. I mean, can you talk about that for us? Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's definitely a lot of distractions thrown at you and a lot of different um, opportunities for you to go another route. Um, but it's about, and I'm not gonna sit here and say like, I didn't get distracted a couple of times, but it's about, 
realizing when you do and being able to snap yourself back in and, and like, oh, hold on a second, I got to get back on track before this goes a bit too far or something like that. You know what I mean? You just got to be realistic with yourself. Like, drinking is, it's a college culture. Like, like that's what, it's what they do. Like, every weekend, especially as freshmen, they want to go out every weekend as soon as the last practice is done and some other team or someone that you know is, is going to be throwing a party. So it's very easy to just throw on a t-shirt and, and go and, and be there and be around people, be around people that want to know about you and be around people that like, you know, you know what I mean? It's college. You're young. You want, you want to be around girls. You want to be around a fun environment. So it's very easy to just be led to, and I'm not going to say led astray because it's okay to go to a party. It's okay to have a drink, but it's about knowing the level and no. Like, and again, I'm not saying drink when you're a freshman because again, that's against the law in America. <laughs> but like, when you go to those things and you find yourself in those scenarios and those events, just knowing, snapping yourself back. For me, it was always like, okay, the school is literally like my scholarship for the four years. I think it was like just over a quarter of a million. So for me, it was like damn they're really investing like all this into me like i have to show up every day and give my all every day so for me it was i always used to say if anything affects what i have to do on the court then i gotta stop it you know what i mean so like if if one time i get affected the next day by what i did the day before well that's got to stop right away and then it's about knowing okay, well, I can't get to that level. I can't get to that point. I, and I'm not saying I did or I didn't, but I'm just saying I know that that's what it takes and that's what it is. You know what I mean? It's about knowing the point, knowing the line, just not to cross the line. You know what I mean? Stay the line, not to go past the point um, and don't be testing it. You know what I mean? At some point you will, but it's just about regaining your focus and pulling yourself back. Like, hold on. Like, they're really putting a lot into me. You know what I mean? Not just money-wise but like time-wise thought-wise like they're thinking about like your college coach thinks about you every single day in some form or way your college coach will think about you every single day he will think about it may not be about you as a person he might not be thinking well how is Jordan doing today but he might think tomorrow I need Jordan to come 100% I need him to do this because the other guys need to see him doing that so if I did something the night before that doesn't allow me to come and fulfill his thought process, well, that's me not holding up my end of the bargain of a scholarship. So it's just about, you know, just just make sure you come every single day, do what you need to do, and, and just knowing when to, like, where the line is of what you can and can't do when you're outside the basketball court or whatever your playing field may be. Okay. Have you got any uh, ways of dealing with, um, you know, dealing with women or drugs? Yeah. Um, so with drugs, I mean, I, I've never been somebody who used drugs. Uh, I'm completely against it. Um, so for me, it was never really needing anything to not use it. That was just me who I was. I never would. Um, but for girls, I think, and again, that's a conversation that needs to be had. Uh, I think with girls, especially in college, you have to be transparent like you got to be honest because you don't know like you can't control what other people do so like you have a negative experience with with a female and, and now she says something bad about you and then that goes to the next person the next person and now it gets misconstrued like you don't know what may come of that mm -hmm. so it's about you know like like upholding like you go to a d1 school you're going there because the college the coach thinks not 
just as your basketball, but he thinks you're a person that can represent the school and team well. So you have to keep that in mind wherever you go. So like when I go out to this party, yeah, I can have fun. I can do what I got to do. But at the end of the day, I'm still a representative and a brand ambassador of my basketball team and college. You know what I mean? So it's about, you know, like you got to keep that in your mind. Like don't, you always have to be in control. As long as you're always in control and you're not giving up, you're not giving the up. So for me, it was like, I'm not going to give anyone else the opportunity to mess this up for me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to give you the opportunity to whatever it may be in whatever circumstance, I can't give you the opportunity to to mess whatever this is up for me. You know what I mean? And that's literally just like being honest with girls and, and, and being respectful to women and, and just being a nice person um, and just upholding your, again, it goes back to just upholding your end of the bargain on the scholarship. You know what I mean? You're there to not just be a good basketball player but to be a good person to be a good student very sure i like that what questions would you ask the coach um on your recruiting trip i know you said uh finding out information but what question um in particular would you yeah what's very good to ask yeah i think um the question questions a lot of people like tend to want to ask is like oh how many minutes am i going to play am i going to start this and the other but like there's ways to like not mask that, but like figure out how you're gonna play. You know what I mean? So for me, I would always ask like, what do you see me doing for your team? Like, what do you see me being capable capable of bringing to, to the team next year? Or what role do you see me in? Or what would you expect from me? What would you need from me? And it's all about, as long as you make them tell you what they want you to do, instead of you telling them what you wanna do, then you will have a clear image of, of you know, well, I, if I do this, then I will play this amount of time. If I do this, then I will play that amount of time. So it's just about, yeah, I mean, the biggest, I think the biggest thing is always asking what your role will be and asking what do you see me doing and what do you see me bringing to the table? Okay. If you was to do the whole process again, what, I don't know, it's kind of similar to the one that you had earlier, but if you was to do the whole process again, what would you do differently? What would I do differently? Um, Eighteen-year-old, what like what do you regret that you didn't do, or you know how how? Yeah. Um. Uh, I I I don't know. That's a tough one. Uh, because I don't I don't really have any regrets, but maybe some things that I would do differently. And again, it's something that I advised earlier in the talk is just be more willing to accept help. Okay. You know what I mean? And whether it be educationally, whether it be basketball wise, whether it just be as a person, like, a, a, like again, because that's something people forget. Like, yes, we are top level basketball players. We are supposed to be top level students. At the end of the day, we're still people. You know what I mean? So like, if you were struggling mentally, socially, anything like that, be more willing to help. You know what I mean? Like, like, and, I, and again, I didn't struggle socially, but I witnessed it. Um, so I think just be more willing to help. For me, it was, it was have, having more uh, of an open mind to help educationally, because I thought I knew everything. And I was like, no, I, I'm. This is basic. This is simple stuff. Well, hold on, Jordan. You got an F in summer. I got an F. Okay. okay. That was a wake-up call. No, I actually need to get the help. I need to get to, you know what I mean? So I think it's just being 
what I would change is my first year being more open to help from an educational standpoint. But going back to like an advisory point of view for that, I would just be like, as a person, and you have to be able to remove yourself because we all have different characters within ourselves. Like you have your student character and that's who you wear in the classroom. And then you have your basketball character and that's who you wear in the, in, in the basketball court or whatever your playing field may be. But then there's you as a person and you have to find time for that person and for that character and know when that character and person needs help. You know what I mean? So it's, it's about removing yourself from your current like thought process and saying to yourself like, okay, hold on. I need to reevaluate me as just an actual person and see if I need help here. Okay, I love it. I love it. Jordan, thank you very much uh, for hanging thank out. Thank you very much. It was an absolute pleasure, man. Um, some real great gems there. And as I said, for me, I enjoy this because I learn as well. Um, mm. as well as helping, you know, the, the individuals watching. But there is so, so much um, details that people don't realize and understand. And kind of unfortunately for you you get to be the guinea pig kind of thing of, <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah. you go and find out and yeah no most definitely that's exactly what it was and i've actually me and my dad had that conversation like a lot of times because like when i look back at my journey i don't know anyone who's kind of did it in that route you know what i mean i'll go to england go to spain go to prep school go to college sit out a year play three years get injured play you know what i mean so it's like it's an um it, yeah but like and I mean, my dad used to say, like, my dad used to say to me all the time, he's like, Jordan, there's no point in you doing what you're doing if you're not going to be able to help the next person to go do what you're doing. So. And that's kind of, you know, as a, as a, I think the human race kind of thing, it's, we have to try and teach the generation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, they're, that, that's what's next, you know. What's up, everybody? Jordan Blount here. Uh, thank you so much for watching Eurostep In a great new platform to give players the information they need and go into the next level and whatever level that may be. Make sure to check it out. You're accepting. The game was different, right? The, the, the rules was different. The ball oh, was the Euro, different. The, like, Euro, the Euro style is different in America. The Euro style was a lot different in America. <laughs> That's the it's first time y'all seen that Euro step too, huh? Absolutely.